1: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty loving Latino amigo, right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And Dr. Fauci's email scandal might end up costing him his job as the highest paid bureaucrat in America. It seems that he did, in fact, know about the Wuhan leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And even his boss, Dr. Francis Collins, admits that. He knew about this theory as well. I want you to check this out.
3: Were you aware that there were three scientists that were ill with COVID-like symptoms in November of 2019 at the Wuhan lab?
1: I was aware that there
0: might have been some individuals at the lab who were ill. I didn't know the number was three.
3: Okay, so that, but when you heard that, why didn't that cause you to say, you know, we really need to find out exactly what these people had in November of 2019 and why they visited the hospital?
0: Oh, I certainly have been willing to say that well before that particular number of three information came forward. Uh, We knew back uh, last year that there had been some possibility of laboratory workers who had fallen ill, most likely with the flu or some other benign illness, but it was a fact that was known out there. Let's just be clear here, Martha. I don't think we know what happened in Wuhan. It is possible there was a lab leak, but again, that's an extraordinary claim.
1: It is possible that there was a lab leak, but that is an extraordinary claim, says uh, Dr. Collins, who happens to be the boss of Dr. Anthony Fauci. So, Anthony, the fraudster Fauci, uh, he's in the hot seat right now. And after that breaking news, and this news broke while I was on Newsmax, I was invited on Newsmax to uh, discuss Joe Biden, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But they uh, broke out with the Fauci story during National Report hosted by Sean Kreisman and Emma Reckenberg. And it's it's a terrific show, breaking news, analysis, opinion, it's terrific. And we got to finding out what was going on. So I want you to hear a clip from my appearance on Newsmax, check this out.
3: Again, these emails coming out from the Washington Post and Buzzfeed News In another one of February 22nd of last year. Uh, he said that he was warned that we think that there's a possibility that the virus was released from a lab in Wuhan, the biotech area of China.
0: Rich, final thoughts from you, because Fauci now getting a lot of um, flack from critics, because he just has a new book coming out. Uh, It's due out in November. Expect the unexpected. There's the cover of it. 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward. Obviously in this segment here, truth is is the questionable topic at hand. Rich, your thoughts on Fauci's upcoming book.
1: Thanks, Sean. So I think that it's so oxymoronic to borrow a term from the late Bob Grant. Uh, Fauci is a fake, a phony, and a fraud. And to call the book truth is just ridiculous. This is a guy that, I mean, there's people emailing him, strangers in that same Buzzfeed email dump that emailed him and said, oh, you know uh, can I use the pneumonia vaccine? He writes back within an hour saying, oh my gosh, I don't know. He's a publicity hound posing as America's top doctor. This is hurtful for America. He's the highest paid member of our government. And if anybody in your family or in my family ever get sick, would we call Dr. Fauci? I think not. So Dr. Fauci should probably do the right thing and move on and kind of uh, fade out into the sunset before something worse happens, like uh, him getting in trouble for all these emails. So there you have it. After that breaking news on Newsmax, and that was Wednesday morning, Amazon has now canceled the Fouchsters book. And this is according to Newsweek.com. Newsweek headline Fauci faces backlash for profiting from pandemic after announcement of a new book. And again, he's following uh, Essential Andy Cuomo and the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast, who says, you know, hey, I could write a book about the pandemic because, hey, which, which state governor oversaw? Carnage like I did. Nobody lost more people in New York than we did. We handled it so poorly that, you know, people are saying that I actually murdered these old people. But this, instead of being seen as a detriment to Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast, instead, no, he looks at it as a strength. The guy sells 50,000 copies, and that's no uh, big deal. I mean, big deal if I sold 50,000 copies, but when you're a big time name like that, it's not a big deal. Matter of fact, Mark Levin sold over 100,000 hardcover copies of his book and all in pre-order. The book doesn't come out till July. So essential Andy Cuomo makes $5 million off this deal. I don't know who gives him a deal like that, but it's an incredible deal. And Fauci's like, you know what? Let me cash in on this too, because why not? If I could uh, profit from the pandemic. But Newsweek says Dr. Anthony Fauci's releasing a book about life philosophy, quote unquote, this fall but he's already facing criticism online from people who accused him of trying to make money for his role in shaping the response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The book entitled, Expect the Unexpected, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and The Way Forward was announced on May 17th with a publication date of November 2nd. Republican representative Andy Biggs criticized uh, the news of Fauci saying he was profiting from the pandemic. And he put that on Twitter. As director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Fauci's considered the nation's top infectious disease expert. I'm gonna just uh, editorialize that a little bit and say that Fauci is considered the nation's top infectious disease expert by his friends in the media. It's just like my friends think I'm the best podcaster in America. That may not be true by charts or by anything else, but my friends, oh, they got my back, I'm the best. So going back to this, even before his profile rose dramatically in the past year, he was already respected as a physician and a scientist. Blah, 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 blah. But now Amazon has pulled the plug as well as a bunch of other outlets because they think this guy, like I said, to quote the late great Bob Grant, is a fake, a phony, and a fraud. Now, he might be a real doctor, but when was the last time this guy saw a patient? My point exactly. So no, sir, I think you are dead wrong here, Dr. Fauci. You got this one wrong. You got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. To be more graphic, you got caught with your pants down, doc. And that's not a good look literally and figuratively. Anyway, keep it locked right there because straight ahead, we're gonna hear about what one New Jersey woman has to say to Vice, uh, excuse me, former Vice President, current President Joe Biden. Don't move a muscle, we're just getting started. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media. This is America. This is America.
3: We're all part of your community.
1: We all play a role
0: in keeping our community safe. So protect your everyday.
3: If you see something
0: suspicious, say something to local authorities. Para Inglés, o número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es América, ahora.
1: All right, America, welcome back. Bienvenido, Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo El Conservador. All other types of nicknames, my buddy Curtis Slewa has called me the voice of Hispanic conservatives, and I thank him for that uh, incredible moniker. And I just want a quick update on a couple of things. A lot of people asking me where I am at, where I'm at, and I don't even know where I'm at lately. I don't know if I'm doing a TV hit today or doing some podcast or producing with Levin or whatever it is, but uh, we have The Real Talk Tour, the RealTalkTour.com. if you want to check out the tour dates. That's happening, and I'm going to see you guys in Miami. I'm going to see you guys in Los Angeles, and I am going to connect with you guys, all of the listeners in uh, Texas as well. So check out realtalktour.com. And of course, anything you need to know about this program, you could find at richvaldes.com. The richvaldes.com is the flagship mothership website where all the information is. You can hear every single episode of This Is America there straight back from uh, 2019 when we started. And uh, I want to talk about what's going on in New Jersey. Now, this one New Jersey woman, she says that her banner is staying up and she has a right to free speech, and she's going to do what she wants. Now, this is, of course, a woman in New Jersey. Her name is Andrea Dick. New Jersey town is warning her that she better take down her banner or else they're going to take it down. Now, the New Jersey ACLU says, no, you can't tell her to take it down because this is free speech. But the issue here is that Ms. Dick's uh, banner that's waving outside her home says F Biden. Now this is the F. Biden controversy of New Jersey, and I think it's uh, it's very rich. It's classic. It's fantastic that people are going above and beyond uh, what people are normally doing. You know, regular people they say, "Ah, screw it, I don't care about politics." Politically involved people they say, "You know what? I'm going to put a lawn sign and let everybody know my political feelings." And then you've got this woman that says, "You know what? Screw everything in particular." Screw Biden with her f Biden, and the expletive is spelled out, and she's got that waving there. And I think you know this is going to be a really interesting case, as the ACLU says that this is free speech, and you know thank God for that. They're usually on the side of quelling speech and being against people. It's good to see that the ACLU, at least in New Jersey, is doing what they're supposed to do and defending the civil liberties of Americans. So I'm curious to see how this whole thing is going to shape up and pan out. Uh, and speaking of New Jersey. I just wanted to wish Kyle Eufer, and I hope I said that right, but good luck on his race for town council in the Long Branch area of New Jersey. My buddy Greg Scarpino reached out to me and talked him up big time. So, Kyle, go win one for the Gipper. And the other topic that I discussed on Newsmax, now that we're talking about Biden and F Biden, is Biden's bigotry and how it was on full display. So, I was doing this segment and they asked me a question about what I thought about Joe Biden's comments because it was the 100th anniversary of the Black Wall Street massacre and it was a horrific event and Biden was there. But instead of really saying, you know, look at all the progress that we've made as America, as a country where Black businesses are no longer being torched to the ground. And not that that was a common thing. That was just, a, I think, an isolated incident because back in that time, Blacks made so much money, they had their own Wall Street. And I'm just trying to make a point that things were okay back then. And it seems that the more woke and progressive we get, the worse they get for minorities. But I want you to hear what uh, the question, as it was presented to me on Newsmax, and I'll give you a clip of that as well. Check this out.
3: Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. I want to start this conversation uh, going to, to Rich Valdez, uh, your thoughts on the president's remarks there about the greatest threat.
1: So I think President Biden's bigotry was on full display yet again. Here he is saying that white supremacy is the biggest threat to America, yet we've got little girls getting raped at the border because of his ineptitude and his inaction at the border. That's number one. Number two, then he goes on to say that black entrepreneurs uh, can't uh, afford or don't have lawyers or accountants. And while that may be true for any entrepreneur in the beginning of their business career, I think, again, it's just a bigoted response from somebody that supported segregationists in the past. And it was just incendiary, this speech. It was racist dog whistles coming from the Democrat Party that started the KKK. And indeed, not only did they start the KKK, but they implemented the Jim Crow laws throughout the South. They resisted. The civil rights act of 1964 it was the democrats that have done all of the damage to african americans and came up with this whole idea that you know if we just say there was a big switch from the southern strategy that republicans every last republican became a democrat and every last democrat became a republican now of course there are critics of mine that are listening saying rich stop trying to oversimplify you know that's wrong and that's not true of course it's not true republicans didn't become uh, democrats and democrats didn't become republicans and there was no big switch of course, there were people that said, you know what, I want to be in the South and move to the South. There were people that were that you know were pro-segregation that went to the South, and there were people that were pro-abolition and went to the North. There were Blacks that were free slaves. There were free men in this country and said, I'm going to exercise my liberty and go up North and do whatever the heck I can to make a living to exercise the freedom that this country affords me. So yeah, all of that happened, but that's not called a big switch. That's called common sense. And Republicans remained the big tent party that accepted the blacks. I mean, what is wrong with people? What is wrong with this redefinition of words, this recreation or reimagining, as they like to say, of history, of truth? It's very unfortunate in my opinion, but this is the attack that we face. And it happening over and over and over. And I was gonna play this in the third segment, but I'm gonna to get to it now. It's this audio of a mom who goes to a school board. And I think this is important because she's taking on this critical race theory stuff uh, front and center. And this mom's name is Deborah Flora, and she's at a Douglas County School District board meeting. And what's interesting is she didn't shy away from telling the school district exactly how she felt about critical race theory. In fact, she was incredibly honest and in my opinion, incredibly articulate. Listen to this.
3: We've heard a lot about how the education, the equity educational policy is not equivalent to critical race theory. However, I've heard many things that are very disturbing that show it to be quite the opposite. First of all, the term equity, It sounds great, but it's exactly opposite of equal opportunity. Equity demands an equal outcome. That only happens when you gerrymander things to favor one group or another. It's not the same as equal opportunity. The second thing that concerns me is when I heard the definition of equity that has been shared here and through many communications from the district. It talks about groups of individuals. When you talk about groups, it is collectivism is separating children into groups. That is exactly what it is doing. And groups based on what? What we've heard from both hiring the Gemini group, which is also another thing that concerns me, is the groups are broken down into race, gender identity, sexual preference, and oppression. When we look at the Gemini group teaching, which I took time to watch the entire thing, it is even more disturbing. And this group was hired by this board. Because in that training, it talks about oppressors and oppressed. That is damaging to every group of children. First of all, some groups of children are thought of as being shamed for who they are. The others are taught that they are victims without the ability to further themselves and to look at the others as the enemies. We all know the, the Dr. King quote that has been shared. Color of our skin versus the content of our character. He had a dream. This is a nightmare. It is a nightmare for our children, and it needs to end now.
1: She's 100% right. This nightmare needs to end now. When Joe Biden makes these crazy statements like white supremacy is the biggest threat. Now, listen, I have seen the FBI stats and I realize that there's, you can mince the numbers the way you want to. And I'm not minimizing in any way that there is a radicalized white supremacist, black supremacist, all sorts of ethnic supremacy Threats that exist in the country, but when you say that the biggest domestic threat in America is white supremacists, I've got to say I just I don't believe it to be true. Quite frankly, I think that that's Biden's own bigotry. Again, being on display right there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he seems to forget what we talked about earlier—that it was the Democrats that started the Ku Klux Klan. It was the Democrats that put Jim Crow into effect. It was the Democrats that resisted every step of the Civil Rights Act, not the Republicans. And I don't mean to make this a partisan issue, but it somehow has become one where the Republican party, the the party of Lincoln, the party of Frederick Douglass, the party that embraced and had the first elected black people seems to be now synonymous with racism and for nothing more than a couple of former Democrats, Dixiecrats that made their way into the party because they're from the South and they want to take residence in the Republican party. It doesn't make it right. It makes it BS. By and large, the party stood for what's good for America. And I'm not trying to be a Republican Party apologist. I'm trying to cite historical fact. That's exactly what it is. And this mom is hitting her the nail on the head with her commentary at the school board meeting, keeping it real, letting people know, yeah, you know what? This idea that you can be whatever gender you want to be, the notion that if you're white, you're somehow inherently wrong, The notion that the founding of America is somehow irrevocably bad and that all of the sins of yesteryear must continue to haunt us today is a lie. And like she said, it's a nightmare. And I agree, it needs to end now. That's all I've got on that one. But straight ahead, we're going to talk about El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump and will el trumpito be making a comeback and i don't mean in 2024 i mean rumors that came out in vanity fair and other magazines falsely attributing things to the president himself saying that uh he's going to be back in the white house sooner than you think i call bs on that but keep it locked right there i am rich valdez this is america
2: this is america
1: we're all part of your community we all play
0: a role in keeping our community safe So protect your everyday.
3: If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
1: And she is not a hollaback girl. Of course not. And when you hear that song, you know what time it is. That's right. It's time to talk about Jen Back Pasaki. She is not a Back girl. She's not a hollaback girl, but she is Jen Back Pasaki. Silent P, of course. Understood. Now, Jen Back Pasaki wants to uh, have us believe that because half of the country, half of the states in America are now ending emergency unemployment earlier than expected, That peop- and people are magically deciding to go back to work, that that has nothing to do with the unemployment and all this extended benefits. And we're going to get back to the Trump stuff that I talked about before. But I want to talk about Jen Psaki first, because I think she's out of her mind. And Jen Back Pisaki, who is not a hollaback girl, she says that it's about workplace confidence. Check this out.
2: So one, I, our view is that um, uh, it's going to take time for workers to regain confidence in the safety of the workplace, reestablish child care, school and commuting arrangements and finish getting vaccinated. And even when individuals get their first dose, we've seen a huge increase in that. As I started the briefing talking about, it's about a five to six week cycle. So we ex- have expected that to have an impact.
1: All right. So now Jen berserkelback Pasaki says that they're going to have an impact. They expect to have an impact because it's workplace confidence that is really uh, the the matter at hand but epic times headline check this out half of the us is ending half of the states in the us are ending the $300 additional pandemic unemployment boost earlier than expected now this is interesting because republican leaders in 25 states are now terminating this 300 weekly federal benefit which is boosting the unemployment program because so many people are finding issue with hiring employees and it's interesting. Some days I go to this place called La Hiraldia In English, the Giraldilla. It's in Bogota, New Jersey. Great place for some café con leche. But if I need something really, really fast and I'm, I got to run, get on the highway or whatever, I go to Wawa. Wawa is this wonderful chain most of you know, but most people in northern New Jersey up until a couple of years ago didn't know about it because it, we didn't have them up here, but we have one. And I went into Wawa and got my coffee and the scrambled egg bowl, which I recommend, by the way and I noticed that, you know, it was busier than usual. And I went back after that and I got a salad. And the guy says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't give you a salad because, well, we, we uh, don't have enough staff to actually make the salad for you. So it's pretty much grab and go or whatever's on that breakfast menu from earlier, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, wow, I get the salad all the time. They don't have enough employees. And then you look and there's these big like sandwich type of signs, you know, it's big like A, like tent looking signs. That are like four feet tall and there's a few of them by each exit that say 800 dollars signing bonus and all these other perks that they offer including like a free lunch on them um free this free that all sorts of benefits that they offer and 800 dollars if you take a job with wawa and i'm thinking wawa's now giving a signing bonus why because they're having difficulty hiring people to work now this is troubling right because if you're wawa your quality is suffering. You can't make the salad anymore. I went there at night one day and it was a zoo because they had like two, maybe three people behind the counter. And one person was kind of like halftime running from the register and the the Uber Eats and all that takeout stuff. And it was just the wait time was something like 18, 20 minutes. I was there. It was way longer than expected. Point is when Jen Percircleback Bagpasaki says that it's not this, it's that, it's I say, no, this is a lie. It's funny how everyone seemed to have confidence, though, when she talks about confidence. Everybody had confidence in supermarkets, in membership warehouses, in big box retail stores during the pandemic. But no, not my office. Can't go to the office, right? People can't go to their jobs. Oof, ah, they think we're retarded. No, come on, man. Come on, man. It's like Biden. It's It's not that dangerous to go to work. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to walk into my office because, you know, the pandemic is winding down. It's come to a screeching halt. It's over. Somebody call security. I got to go back to work. Come on. That's not the case. And everybody knows that. But like I said, the Epic Times cites it really well. Half of these states have cut this thing out. Now, Jen Psaki, she doesn't stop there. She goes on with cut number nine. Listen to this.
0: And you mentioned thoughts about safety. You're celebrating the number of vaccinations today. You say the vaccines work. COVID cases are way down. You're right. Uh, is, Is there any thought here that some of the worker shortage could be driven by the extra $300 in weekly unemployment benefits through September?
2: I will say, Peter, that our economists and our assessment and the assessment of many economists out there is that the impact, the largest impact, are on issues related to the pandemic. Uh, and yes, you're right that the increased numbers, that's a good sign, it's a positive sign, but it's a five to six week cycle. So the, the data that was taken for the May jobs number the jobs numbers that came out for April and early May was from early April. That's almost two months ago, right? We'll see, we'll have jobs numbers come out on Friday. People the vaccination rates are continuing to go up. And in terms of people being fully safe, fully vaccinated, it's gonna take some time. We always expected that to be a couple of months and we expect to see continuing improvement in the numbers.
1: So Jen Pasirko-Back Pasaki is right on one thing, and that is that these numbers in unemployment are starting to change. And the reason, in my opinion, they're changing is because they're saying, listen, you can't get the extra unemployment anymore. If you tell somebody, look, being on unemployment is not as advantageous as having a job, they're going to say, you know what? I think I'm going to go get a job. It's that simple. But she says, no, it's because of this rate and that rate. And these are two months behind it. Come on, you're a fool. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You're going to believe every word I say. No, Jen, for circle back, I don't believe every word you say. Lastly, she says something really interesting. She says that companies that are up and running right now, and unfortunately getting hacked, like the MTA, as my buddy Curtis Sliwa says, he says they are the money-taking agency, New York City Transit, uh, Metropolitan Transit Authority. Uh, The Colonial Pipeline also got hacked. And, of course, now this uh, large meat supplier got hacked. Jen Peserko back Pasaki, Silent P. She says, blame the companies. Don't look at me. Listen to this.
0: On the JBS hack, these hackers based in Russia have disrupted American gas supplies and American meat supplies. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that these ransomware attacks have been rising since President Biden took office?
2: Well, first, I would say these are private sector entities uh, who have a responsibility to put in place measures to protect their own cybersecurity. As it relates to why criminal actors are taking actions against private sector entities, I don't think I'm the right one to speak to that. So,
0: total
2: coincidence. I think you could certainly go track down those uh, cyber criminals in Russia and have a, a good chat with them. Okay.
1: <laughs> go track down the cyber criminals in Russia and have a good chat with them. Man, I tell you, her condescension is just, but I'm not gonna fault her for that because if I had that job, I would probably be just as condescending. I think that um, it, it's just part of, you know. imagine just being in a room with a bunch of leftist reporters. Wouldn't you just start swinging on them verbally? Why not? But you have to look at that and say, they take responsibility for nothing. They, they attack no problem head on. And they blame everything. They blame big business. They blame you. They blame your employees. They blame you if you're the employee, they blame the company, but it's never their fault for giving out all this extra money. And I think that's just interesting. And of course the hack is not the fault of giving out the extra money, but the hack uh, is something that they should be looking at, right? I think we should all be concerned about this and yes, private companies should protect themselves, but we also have a reliance on the government for that level of safety. And to just obfuscate that way and just say, no, no, not my fault. Not my, no, my yab. I don't think that's fair. Now, going back to Trump, because the Trump stuff was interesting, and hopefully I can get through all of this. But Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump, was rumored over the weekend to say that he himself was saying, this is a rumor. It's not substantiated. There's no audio. There's no video. There's nothing. He hasn't said he said it. Uh, He didn't put it out through his uh, social uh, communications platform on his uh, official website. None of that. That somehow there's a maneuver that some sort of legal maneuver that's going to be pulled for him to come back into office. Now, this is a complete fabrication. This is nothing more than people who have an opinion about what could be done like, uh, you know, uh, attorneys and other people that are surrogates of Trump that, or were surrogates of the Trump campaign, I should say, are out there. And you know, they're floating some ideas. I think these ideas are completely asinine. It's absolutely insane to suggest that Donald Trump is going to be president again, reinstated in August of this year. That's not going to happen. There's no mechanism in the constitution that would allow for that anybody that thinks that somehow america has gone completely overboard while we may be under this attack of marxism and and communist sympathizers that are in our government and running parts of our government we are not a military dictatorship joe biden's not running around like fidel castro in a in you know An army fatigue suit uniform saying that, you know, he's running the show here and that his junta is in charge. That's not happening. The military is never in charge. You know, I get a lot of calls and 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 questions from people saying, you know, at what point does the military step in? The military doesn't step into anything. They're soldiers. They do what they're told. And if you haven't noticed, Joe Biden is the commander-in-chief. He's not just the commander, he's the commander-in-chief. He's in charge of the commanders. So this idea that Trump is running a shadow government or anything like that—I mean, you've got to be really gullible. And if you really believe that, please send me lots of money. I have lots of things to sell you that are going to benefit you. I've got bridges. I've got snake oil. I've got it all. So just uh, send me your credit card number, and uh, we'll take it. And send me the deed to your house at the same time. Don't believe the hype. That stuff is fake. It's phony. It's fraud. And Trump isn't coming back to office. But, you know, what's interesting is I listen to lots of different radio. I love radio. Years ago, when I was younger, I used to listen to a a Spanish radio program in New York City. It's not on anymore, but every now and again, I listen to the podcast of the Luis Jimenez show. Now, I don't agree with Luis's politics, but in terms of his broadcasting ability, the guy is terrific. He's humorous. He's got great delivery. And he used to rival Stern back when he was on the airwaves. So I mean, the guy is really good. But Luis Jimenez has a few people on his show. It's kind of like a, 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 a I don't know how to, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a cavalcade of co-hosts, but uh, like an ensemble of of his producers, and exactly, and and they all get together and and they chime in. And, and that was always what was fun because he had this, you know, constant skits going on and they were very, very funny. But he starts his show um, on, I'm going to say maybe Wednesday of this week with uh, Trump not being able to come back into office. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. But he presents it as Trump himself is going around saying that he's coming back to office and of course he's not. And these are people putting words in his mouth and the media doing what they do. But. What I thought was interesting that there's another, there's a character, you know, one of the personalities on the show named Speedy and Speedy, um, you know, Luis Jimenez says, he goes, wow, this guy's really like Hitler. He's just going to make himself president again. And Speedy goes, why are you comparing him to Hitler? And I said, man, good for you, Speedy for sticking up. Because again, you could pick any dictator in the world. Why does it got to be Hitler? The, the most, um, uh, maybe not the most, but you know, one of the most egregious ever. And, you know, Mao Zedong and all these other people, they did lots of things, including killing their people, but they didn't necessarily use gas chambers and uh, ovens and, and all of that crazy stuff that they did in Europe and Germany specifically. So I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm like, yeah, go Speedy. But you know, he, he's kind of marginalized on the program or whatever. Anyway, to make the long story short, I want to get him on the show so you guys could hear him and hear his uh, opinions because I think he's a funny guy. But they discussed how from, from the Trump topic, they went to these the hate crimes topic. And Luis Jimenez raises a point that he says, you know, there's a headline and he reads the title of headline. He says, you know, Asian woman attacked by attacker, blah, blah, blah. And he goes through like half or maybe 75% of the article. And he he makes the comment that he says, you know, it's funny. I'm going through all of this and they make very um, clear that the woman attacked was Asian, but they do not tell you the race of the attacker. And he goes on this this tirade about saying, you know, why won't they do that? And he says, well, of course, it's because the guy is black and they're afraid to call out black people on their nonsense. And he said that the reality is being here in New York, there has not been an Asian hate crime that was not perpetuated by somebody that was black. But the article goes on to blame the revolving door of people that are being let out of jail because of the coronavirus releases. And of course, people not going to jail because there is no more cash bail. So there's no need for bail. You don't go to jail, you don't bail yourself out, you get a ticket and you skip jail altogether. this is what AOC and her friends, the squad and other progressives like Bernie Sanders, this is what they champion, this is what they want. So I look at all that and I'm thinking, wow, look at that. Here's a guy, hates Trump, but he agrees with so many of the policies that Trump stood for. And honestly, so many that the Republicans stand for. And, and I just found it interesting that, you know, telling the truth should not be partisan. Telling the truth is not racist. And if you want to point out that one person is Asian, then you may want to point out the other one just for descriptive purpose. But he, you know, went out of his way just to show how much they they um, didn't want to talk about the race of the attacker. And this is a constant in the media today. And I'm not indicting everybody that's black. I have many, many uh, colleagues and and, uh, associates that are Black, very good friends of mine that are Black, and I don't know a single one of them that goes around punching Asian women in the face. So again, this has nothing to do with their race. The point was, he was trying to make the case that it seems to be something they wouldn't mention, that if it was a Hispanic person, they would say, it's a Hispanic person. If it was a white person, they'd say, a 46-year-old white man punched an Asian woman in the face. But when it's a 32-year-old Black man, they won't put that part in. And it's because they're afraid. And he said, they're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of all sorts of things. And I thought, you know what? That's probably uh, an accurate assessment. It's not about racism per se. The cover up here is to protect themselves because they don't want the next BLM person coming and knocking on their door and saying, you know what? Figures, we're going to have to cancel you. And that's the problem. And I think that's interesting. So a couple of more things before we go. I want to talk about this BLM leader quitting his job and other hate crimes that happened in New York City at a gallery where they don't know who it was. But some hate crimes were committed, perpetuated, whatever word you want to use, uh, graffiti and vandalism and things like that on a black art gallery, which I think is reprehensible. Why would we do that? And who's doing that? And are we to think, is it the Asians, right? Are the Asians fighting back saying, I'm going to come and get you? I don't know. I'm not trying to stir the pot. I just, I'm looking at these articles and I think that's really interesting and funny stuff, the things that they want to put out there. But I do want you to hear from Black Lives Matter co-founder Alicia Garza. Now, she actually quoted Mao Zedong, the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party in a speech back in 2016. Check this out. We
3: too are navigating the tension between allowing a thousand flowers to bloom, while at the same time distinguishing between what are flowers and what are in fact
1: weeds that threaten to consume the entire ecosystem. So there she goes, quoting again Mao Zedong, the uh, chairman. You Many call him the grandfather of communism. And of course, that would really be Marx. but. You you look at this and you can't help but think, thank God for the guys that actually see the light that get out of this craziness headline, New York post BLM leader says he quit after learning the quote, ugly truth about black lives matters, the group Inc their priorities. The founder of black lives matter chapter in Minnesota said he quit after learning the ugly truth in 2015. This is a quote from him. In 2015, I was the founder of a Black Lives Matter chapter in St. Paul. That's Rashad Turner, the president and executive director of the Minnesota Parent Union. And he said this in a YouTube video called The Truth Revealed About BLM. He goes on to say, I believe the organization stood for exactly what the name implied, that Black Lives do matter. I think we all agree on that. He said in the video for his organization, Take Charge Minnesota a group opposing the idea that systemic racism is to blame for all problems in U.S. society. He goes on to say, however, after a year on the inside, I learned that they had little concern for rebuilding Black families. This is something he insisted. He says BLM, quote, cared even less about improving the quality of education for students in Minneapolis. He added that it was made clear when they publicly denounced charter schools alongside the teachers union. They sided with the union and not with the students. He goes on, I was an insider in Black Lives Matter and I learned the ugly truth. The moratorium on charter schools does not support rebuilding black families, but it does create barriers to a better education for black children, he insisted. He goes on, I resigned from Black Lives Matter after a year and a half. But I didn't quit working to improve black lives and access to a better education. Turner said he first started the local BLM chapter under the assumption that the group would actually want to fight for black people coming from troubled backgrounds to get educated, to find success similar to the way he did. He goes on, quote, when I was two years old, my father was shot and killed. My mother wasn't able to take care of me, so I was raised by my grandparents. Now he's detailing on how he became the first person in his family to go to college and get a master's degree. I'm living proof that no matter where you start in life, quality education is a pathway to success, he says. Now, resigning after realizing that BLM would not help him gain the same success for our children and our communities, quote unquote, he now leads the Minnesota Parent Union, which aims to bring parents and educators together. His video was first posted last Wednesday, a day before BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors announced her own resignation from the group blaming the attacks, trying to discredit her. Discrediting her, of course, because they've raised millions of dollars. And it's okay if you pay yourself well, if you have an organization, you built the organization as an organize, organizer. What, the problem with her was that she's a Marxist and doesn't care for private property but yet bought a bunch of it and has millions of dollars worth of property. And people are saying, hold on a second. So you're telling us that we should buy into your philosophy, but you yourself don't buy into your philosophy based on your real estate portfolio. That's the problem. And all of this appeared on a YouTube channel for Take Charge Minnesota, which calls itself a new organization committed to the countering of the prevailing narrative that America is structured to undermine the lives of black Americans. He goes on, to close, we acknowledge that racist people exist in the country, but explicitly reject the notion that the United States of America is a racist country. This is a subtle but significant difference. And that is the bottom line. That's the truth. Denouncing the idea that the country is guilty of systemic racism and he, he goes on to say he abhors the concept of identity politics and the promotion of victimhood within minority communities Instead, he says you know what my uh, my objective is to inspire and educate the black community and other minority groups in the twin cities area to take charge of their own lives the lives of their families and their communities as citizens fully granted to them under the constitution and it goes on you can read it for yourself i'll tweet it out at rich with an s at rich valdez on parlor twitter instagram all of that and if you want to see those newsmax clips they're also on my Instagram and on my Twitter. But kudos to Mr. Turner and his organization. When people say, what is it that we can do? There's a perfect example of what you can do. You can start the parents coalition, the parent union, whatever it is, go against taxes, start organizing people based on an issue and fight that issue. I've recently uh, come up with the concept of organizing Hispanics around the idea of liberty, loving liberty, and making liberty first, so we can focus on the free markets and civics education, so that, you know, we can really just keep that at the forefront. It's called the Libertad Agenda. My agenda is an agenda for liberty, and that's why I called it Libertad Agenda, because libertad is the Spanish word for liberty, and that's the organizing that I'm going to embark on, in addition to the other stuff that I'm doing. And I'm not trying to break my own arm, patting myself on the back. I'm just trying to give ideas to see if that'll inspire somebody to say, you know what, I can't do this and I can't do that, but I can do this. I happen to be a filmmaker, so I'm gonna help with this. I'm gonna do that. Because, not to be too cliche, but together everyone achieves more, right? T-E-A-M, that's a real thing. We have to stick together, we have to get together. If we don't do that, we fall victim. Not we're crying the, that we're the victim, but we actually become the victim of our own inactivity, our own inaction. We have to do more so that we can have more. We have to be, like Gandhi said, the change we want to see in the world. I always tell you from Hamilton if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for people like you, good people, to sit there and do nothing. The time to do nothing has come and gone. Now we're in the time to do something. If BLM people can denounce BLM and walk away to make families better in their areas, you can do that and more. Hasta la proxima. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America.